If you have your Bibles with you, you can open these, your Bibles, to John, the, the uh, 15th chapter. Uh, you could look on the uh, screen this morning like usual if you need be. I love having the Word in my hands. I don't know about you, but uh, I like to have it in my hands as the Scripture is read and follow along even during that time. The Word says, beginning in verse 8, and these are the words of Jesus talking about the vine and the branches. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that you may love and there may be joy and maybe in you that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known unto you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. So in, in talking about best friends, I heard this story one time about these two really good friends who went hunting. And, uh, you know, this time of the year, for those of you that know anything about that, this would be the time of the year for lots of deer hunting. And, and one man was actually out in the woods with his friend, and he just happened to look up into a tree and lo and behold a snake when he looked up the snake was on a lower limb and bit him right at on the upper lip his other friend was frantic and said i'm going to call and try to get some help the only help he could find was another man who said you know there is no vaccine there's no venom around all you're going to be able to do is suck the poison out of his upper lip he went to his friend, his best friend, and said, well, I know what I can do, um, and, and I think we may have this covered. And uh, he said, well, um, you know, what, what did the old man say? He said, well, I'm sorry. The old man said, you're going to die. <laughs> That's not your best friend, is it? We have a best friend in Jesus. We just sang about it. In Bible study over the last several weeks, we've been talking about a man that God said was his friend. His name was Abraham. You may not realize it, but God wants to be your friend. Now, the issue is what many people consider friend, Jesus had a different definition for. Major Murphy read that definition for us. A friend is someone that would die for you. Uh, you know, as we uh, go throughout this week, uh, we celebrate Veterans Day. 
Now, this is not a veteran sermon, but, you know, veterans will tell you that as when they were in the armed forces, they, they would give their life for their, their brother or sister in arms. And so when we look at friends, uh, God wants to be your friend, but how is that possible? Well, in the Old Testament, only a few people had the privilege of friendship with God. One of those were Moses and Abraham. I mentioned Abraham earlier. David was called a man after God's own heart. Job, Enoch, and Noah all had intimate friendships with God. But in the Old Testament, what we often think of that, that actually was uh, greater was the fear of God. Friendship, we would say, was more common in the New Testament. But let me just stop here and say the only way we can be friends with God is through the grace of God, the sacrifice of Jesus. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.18, All this is done by God, who through Christ changed us from enemies into His friends. Now you want to get somebody going, tell them that God is their enemy. They won't believe it. But without Christ, we are hostile to God. God invites us to enjoy friendship and fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you read 1 John 1 and 3, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, and 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, I know you just wrote all of those down as quick as I said them, that uh, you would find that to be true. Jesus said in what we read this morning in John 15, He said to His disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus up to this point in this scripture called His disciples servants. What does a servant do? They do what they're told, right? Uh, they do what they're told. Uh, they may see what their master does, but a servant does not necessarily know the purpose of why the master does what they do. A friend knows what's happening because friends develop fellowship by communicating with one another. God wants to be a close friend to you. The Bible says in Exodus 34, verse 14 from the New Living Translation, He is a God who is passionate about His relationship with you. God desires that we may know Him intimately. Now, you know, you could do a study of the entire Bible and see from the Garden of Eden to Revelation that God has proactively wanted to fellowship with us. We, on the other hand, have always ran the other way. But even with the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the Garden of Eden, and in Revelation where we, where we find out that we don't need a temple anymore because Jesus will be with us forever, He, he invites us to commune with Him. God wants to know you intimately, and He wants you to know Him intimately. Knowing and loving God is a privilege. Being known and loved is God's pleasure for you. See, we don't think about it like that. We don't realize that God's greatest pleasure is that He loves you, that He knows you. Jeremiah 9.24 says, Let him who boasts 
boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. God delights in what? In the fact that you know him. Now this isn't knowing him up here, it's knowing him in the heart. There are many people who could quote what I'm quoting probably could explain the Bible better than I ever could, and they are atheists because they don't have a relationship with God. You see, it can be challenging to imagine, especially if you're younger, how do you have an intimate friendship with an invisible, perfect God? How does He have, being invisible, all-powerful, perfect, how does He have a relationship with a sinful human being like me. In fact, when it comes to God, we can relate better with master-servant than we can creator-creation relationship or friend-to-friend relationship. But when we look at Scripture, we learn that there are ways to have a friendship with God. One of the things, and a lot of these, is kind of the same way you have friendships with people. First, you have to have a constant conversation. You talk to your friends, don't you? Uh, You communicate with them. You talk. You spend time with them. That's why you're friends with them. They know you. You know them. You see, you'll never grow a close relationship with God just by coming here. You'll never grow a close relationship with God uh, just by coming to church once a week and checking that off your box. Friendship with God is because you have built this life by sharing all your experiences with Him, the good, the bad, the ugly. Because that's what you do with a friend. Let me tell you the day I've had. And they listen. We just sang about that. Are we weak and heavy laden, burdened with a load of care? Why? Give it to God in prayer, right? We, 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 we're our own worst enemy when it comes to this stuff. Having a daily devotional time with God is important because God wants to be included in every activity. Now, I know people, now they're wrong, but they tell me that God's really, God really doesn't care about the little details of your life. I believe He does. I believe He cares about you. In fact, the Bible says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Now, what makes you anxious may not make me anxious. But God says, cast all. He didn't say the big things. Because I'm going to tell you, it's all big when it makes you anxious. The Bible says, pray continually. Which means that you and I should always know that we can talk to God at any place and any time. It does not mean that you can sit or kneel 24 hours a day and pray. You can't do that. I don't know. Those of you that are retired, do pretty much what you want, but I can't. You see, the misconception is that they think spending time with God means I have to be, a, I have to be away from everybody. I have to have a long time with God. But let me introduce you to someone who lived a long time ago. Uh, We would call him Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence wrote a book called 
practicing the presence of God. He was, uh, he was a cook, so I picture Brother Lawrence as short and fat and bald. Uh, don't get any ideas, okay? I've lost a lot of weight lately. But he was a cook in a French monastery. Brother Lawrence, he's famous because he turned the most mundane task, cooking, washing, all the chores that none of us like to do, he used those and turned those into acts of praise and communion with God. You see, the key to friendship with God, Brother Lawrence said, is not changing what you do. It's changing your attitude toward what you do. What we're told, and unfortunately people like me have told you, is that you have to get away from your daily routine to worship God. So my, a close friend of mine said, you know what you need, Dave? And I said, what? They said, you need a vacation. And I said, no, I don't. That's not what I need. That's what we think we need. We always say that. If I could just get away. But see, what we have to learn is that the reason we feel that way is because we haven't learned that God's presence is with us all the time. Brother Lawrence found it easy to worship God through the common, mundane, daily tasks of life. He didn't say, I have to go away to a spiritual retreat so that I can be with God. He did it everywhere. You know, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't go to worship. It was a continual attitude until they messed up. Adam and Eve were in constant communion with God. It's important for us to remember that God is with us all the time. Some people don't like this statement, but I love it. My core sergeant major, uh, growing up, he would say, I know God is here because I brought him with me. You see, he understood everywhere he went, God was with him. God isn't here with you just because you're in this building. He's, he's just with you. Amen. He's with you no matter what. He's with you in your car. David even said, I can't get away from him. I have a dog now who will not get away from me. You know, I could write, if I was in hell, she would come with me. If I go to the bathroom, her little nose is under the door. Right? There is no, we should have named her Shadow. She is always with me, whether I want her to be or not. God is with us all the time. Is that not what we celebrate at Christmas? Emmanuel. We say it all the time at Christmas. God is with us. But you know what I love? You can say Emmanuel on July 17th when it's 98 degrees and it's not even close to Christmas. He is still with us. When my wife and I were in our first appointment, we were uh, brought to the front and uh, did the, uh, the installation, you know, and all that stuff. And the guy said, you know, uh, the major said, when you do your first funeral here, God will be with you. And when you have your first board meeting, God will be with you. And then he said, and when that guy tries to treat, uh, cheat you out of your family store, God will be with you. I had no idea what he was talking about. But there was a guy that was trying to cheat us out of a family store. God put that major there on that specific day for a reason. God is with us all the time. Ephesians 4, 6, there is 
one God and Father of everything. He rules everything and is everywhere and is in everything. God is everywhere so we can be in his presence everywhere. You know, I think God really puts his head in his hands when we say, Lord, be with us today. Because he's like, what do you think? I am here. I'm always here. Practicing the presence of God is a discipline. It's a habit that we have to develop. Just as musicians are good at what they do. Why? They practice every day. They play beautiful music with ease. Because they practice. When no one else sees, they practice. You know, there's times when we just have to force ourselves to think about God in, in our day. We have to train our mind to remember God. And, and how do we do that? Well, if you're at a desk, you can put post-it notes of Scripture on your desk. Or maybe if you're like me, you would put them on a refrigerator because you go there a lot. And you could write out something as simple as God is with me and for me right now. Sometimes you have to remember that because our feelings are our greatest liar. We can feel isolated. We can feel alone. We can set our clock or cell phone alarm at certain times to pray. Uh, and so it's not about feeling the presence of God as much as it is knowing He's with us. And now, if you're seeking an experience through all of this, you've already missed the whole point. We don't praise God to feel good, but to do good. Our goal is not to a feeling. Feeling comes and goes. Sometimes you feel hungry, right? Sometimes you feel full. But you're still you. That's just a feeling that'll pass. Sometimes you feel alone. But the great news is, as a Christian, you're never alone. The other way to becoming best friends with God is not just through continual communication, but meditation. You know, we don't talk a lot about meditation. We kind of think that that's a Eastern thing that Buddhists do and all these other things. We don't think about it. But you know, the Psalms say all the time, David wrote to meditate on God's Word. What is meditation? Meditation is simply focused thinking. It's really true meditation is focusing on something and, and really making yourself think about it. You, you young people who go to school, you meditate. Your teacher is telling you, you need to think about this. You need to understand this. The, the Psalms say a lot about who God is and what He's done. It's impossible to be God's friend apart from knowing what He says. It's, meditation is not some mysterious ritual. It's focused thinking. It's something all of us can do. 1 Samuel 3.21 says, God revealed Himself to Samuel through His Word. God still uses that method in our time as well. In fact, um, you know why God spoke aloud to Abraham and to Adam? and to, They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have... So if you're sitting here going, Lord, why don't you speak to me? He does speak to you. He does. But you have to open the Bible and read. 
God reveals himself today through his word. He reveals himself through the, his son, Jesus Christ, that we just read about. We all know we can't spend all day studying the Bible. I wish we could, but you can't think about it all day. You can listen to Christian music or maybe uh, a podcast that's, that talks about the Lord's word. Again, all meditation really is, is just focused thinking. Yeah, I, I knew someone in one appointment. He could tell you all the stats of his favorite football team. He knew every player. He knew their number on their jersey. He meditated. That's all that is. When you meet someone and they can quote scripture after scripture after scripture, and they can tell, you know what they've done? They've meditated on that. The word, they, they haven't just gotten in the word. The word has gotten into them. That's what meditation is. Okay? Uh, you know, so when you think about a problem, and you, you, we all can do this, and I can tell you why, because we can all worry. Worry is focused thinking. When you think, when you worry about a problem over and over and over, or when you think about a problem over and over and over, we call that worry. When you think about God's word over and over and over, that's meditation. We all can do it. We just have to focus our thoughts in our words on what God says. Again, right from the very literal beginning, Satan has never used any new tools in his toolbox. He has always started with, did God really say? Now, if you don't know what God says, you're in trouble. Now, they did know, Adam and Eve did know what God said. And I think for most of us in this room, we know what God says. But just think about that. He, he could have started with anything. And he started with, did God really say? The seeds of doubt that are planted in our mind. And so we can think all the time on God's word if we choose, if we just switched our attention. The more we meditate on God's Word, the less you have to worry about. Now, does that mean that every problem just vanishes away? No. I wish it did. But it does mean that we begin to focus more on, on the greatness or the goodness of God like we sang about today. And not that we don't think the problems are, have vanished, but we put them in their proper perspective. My wife and I were in this teaching for several months, and this guy talked about the ghost in the box. So if you worry about this problem, it's the ghost in the box. It's, you can't see it, so in your mind, it's a terrible monster. But when you open the box, there's nothing in it. You've worried yourself to death. You've, you've, all the peace in your life is gone because what you were worried about didn't even exist. When we could be focusing on what God says, we have a choice. Job even said, of all people, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. That's Job 23, verse 12. David said, oh, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Psalm 119, 97. And then again in Psalm 77, verse 12, David says, they are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. 
Now he's talking about God's word. But I've never heard somebody come to me and say, I just can't quit thinking about God. It's usually, I just can't quit thinking about this problem or that or this or that. You see, the other great thing is good friends share secrets. Now, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who said three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. I believe he is right. But God in his word tells us that he will share his secrets with us if we develop the habit of thinking about his word. God told Abraham his secrets. We, those of you that were just in Bible study the last few weeks, they actually, it actually says, will we keep from Abraham what we're about to do? And they didn't. God didn't. He told him what was going to happen. He told Noah what was going to happen. Jesus told his disciples about the last days and how that... Now, they had no idea what he meant. They, they didn't quite get it, but he shared with them. God told Abraham his secrets. He told Daniel things. Paul. Paul saw in the heaven. He told the disciples. He told other friends in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 10. When you read your Bible or you hear a sermon or you listen to a podcast or whatever, don't just forget it and walk away. Don't just shake my hand and say, that was good. Uh, th- let, it, let it get into you. Let, meditate on it. What do you call it when you take a steak? Sounds like meditate, don't it? You marinate it. You let all them good juices just get into it. And, and man, it's because you know when you put that on the grill and you hear it sizzling. Mm. I mean, you could take a good piece of steak and lay it on your head. Your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. That's how good it is because you've let it marinate. You just let it lay there and lather. I'm making my wife so uncomfortable right now. But why don't we do that with God's word? Why don't we marinate in it? Why don't we meditate? Let it, let it, don't just read it. Let it get into you. What did David say? Well, she's walking away. What did David say? David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. He didn't just say, didn't just say I read it and walked away. I let it marinate in, on the inside. I let what was outside now become part of me. You, you look. I don't know why it's disgusting, but I love it when you open, when you cut into a steak. Some people can say those who know food were oh you put you know this sauce in this I can taste it. You put salt in that or you put you know what when when we live as the way we should live, people should be able to say you've got God in you. They see God in you. Why? Because you've meditated. You, you, you don't just read the Word, you let it read you, and then you let it inside of you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 25, friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. With them alone, He shares the secret of His promises. You see, we can be friends with God. We can share those things with Him, and He can share things with us. But friends, you've got to know Him. You've got to listen to Him. You've got to meditate on His Word. This morning, we want to make sure, or I want to make sure, rather, that you know that you can be friends with God. The amazing thing is, it's just amazing to think you can be friends with the Creator. 
the one who created you and created the universe, the one who gave his son. Now, does that mean that, that we don't reverence him? Of course not. Our relationship with God is very interesting. He is our father. He is our provider. He is our savior. And yet, at the same time, he is our friend. Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. We're going to sing together just one chorus of the same song that, we, that Major Murphy led us in. Song number 795. And I just want to focus really uh, on that first verse. And as we sing that first verse again, I would invite you to come and pray uh, and come and just maybe there's something on your heart that you want to talk to God about, right? We can do that. There is nothing too little or too big for God not to hear. He can, he can take it. There, and when we read his word, what are we doing? We're learning from our friend. And so we're going to sing that first verse together. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Don't just carry the, the giant big things. Carry every detail to Him in prayer. Let's sing this together.